Hi everyone, Pastor Gregory Bartram here, lead pastor here at Destiny Church, where your history doesn't define your destiny. I just want to welcome you to Your Destiny Podcast. Thanks for listening. And my prayer is that the message that you hear today brings healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. If you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles. And you can go ahead and turn to Lamentations chapter number three. How many is ready to hear a word from the Lord? I got one person. I said, how many is here to hear a word from the Lord? Amen. I I believe the Lord's given me a word for today. And uh, as you well know, we have been in a series called Rejoice in Hope. And we are going to continue in that series today. And um, I got something that the Lord uh, has been showing me all week. And uh, I want to share it with you. So Lamentations chapter number three, I'll give you just a second because that's a, that's a hard book to find sometimes in the scripture. It's actually after Jeremiah. So if you can find Jeremiah, it'll be right after Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter three. And when you have it, can you just say amen? Okay, I, we're, I'm going to give you a few more seconds. <laughs> if you got a cell phone, all you got to do is just tap, just, just tap it. It should be easy to find. If you got a paper Bible, then if you have to, go to the contents. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if, you, and if you need to, just pretend you're there. <laughs> you just stop, somebody's right now is in John, but we got, we got it on the screen if you, don't, if you can't find it. So Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 21. Actually, let me just go ahead and preface this. Jeremiah is the writer of Lamentations. So listen what he writes, starting with verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. I want to read that again. This is powerful. He said this. He's going to tell us what this is. He says, this I recall to my mind. And he says, and when I start thinking about this, I start getting hope. So what was he thinking about? Look look what he says in verses 22 through 26. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait For the salvation of the Lord. I want you to look with me in verse 21. This is where I'm going to take my message from. Jeremiah says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Today I want to minister from this thought. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Look at somebody right now and just say, Think about it. Father, we thank you for your word. I believe you're going to speak to us. I believe that you're going to move in our lives through your word. And Father, I pray that, Lord, today we would not just be hearers, but we would also be doers, that we would apply and appropriate this word in our life today. And Father, I pray that you speak to us. Holy Ghost, give me the anointing that I may do what only you can do through me. And Lord, I pray that you anoint their ears that they might hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say today. We love you, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, let me give you some background because Jeremiah is actually writing this book called Lamentations because he is lamenting. He is lamenting. Why is he lamenting? How many knows what lamenting means? It means to cry, to be in anguish, to be uh, sorrowful in your heart, to be in despair because of the things that is going on. And Jeremiah is, he is lamenting over the condition of his people Israel. And Jeremiah is a prophet who comes on the scene to warn the nation of Israel that judgment is coming if they do not change their ways. But the people of Israel ignore him, mock him, persecute him because of the message that he was preaching because everybody at that time wanted to hear peace, peace, comfort, comfort, everything's good. But Jeremiah was preaching a totally different message how that because of their wickedness and because of their complacency and because they have become at ease in Zion that the judgment of God was coming and that an enemy was coming down the road to take them captive and they would be in exile. But they did not listen. And in Lamentations, Jeremiah is literally just expressing his anguish and expressing his feelings in Scripture and his feelings toward God. And if you read verse chapter 1 and chapter 2, you're like, man, this is a depressing book. There is no hope for this nation. I mean, this, thing, this is not going to turn around. This is not going to be good for them. But then you get to Jeremiah chapter 3, and even in Jeremiah chapter 3, it's looking pretty dis- despairing. It's looking pretty depressing, but then you get down to verse, verses 21 and 26, and Jeremiah says, I know that all this negative stuff is going on in my life. I see all this bad stuff. I see all this wickedness. I see all this, con- con- this confusion and chaos. But Jeremiah said this. I love what he said. He said, but I recall to mind... I recall to mind this very thing, and it's that thing I think about that begins to give me hope again, amen? I believe what we need today is hope again, amen? That we need to expect that good things are going to happen even in the midst of our adversity and even in the midst of the way that things look. I come to tell somebody it doesn't matter how it looks. God is able to change it. God is able to turn it around. I know it's hard, and I know it don't seem like there's any hope, and it may even seem like it's not going to change and that it's never going to turn out differently but I come to prophesy to somebody today God is getting ready to turn it around in your life if you believe that today won't you just give him some praise right now Come on, I know everywhere you look, things are falling apart. I know it may look like things are never going to work out for your good, but I come to tell you, if you stay faithful and you stay committed and persevere and endure, God's going to change it. God's going to change it. And Jeremiah said, Lord, I see all this confusion. I see all this wickedness. I see all this darkness. I see all this negativity. But when I start to think about some things, when I start to think about some things about God and who God is in my life, right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the fiery furnace, right in the middle of my heartache, right in the middle of my confusion, right in the middle of the thing that's going on in my life that I do not understand. God, when I start thinking about these things, 
I begin to get hope again. Hope is stirred within me again when I put my mind not on the negative, not on the darkness, not on the despair, not on the depression, not on the fear, not on the anxiety. But when I start to put my mind on the things of God, my heart is encouraged and my expectation is recharged. Come on, somebody. I, I just come to tell somebody, if you're in that, in, in that place today, I want to encourage you, think about the Lord, amen? Set your affections on things above and not on things below. The Bible says that God keeps those in peace whose minds are stayed on Him. Come on, God will keep you in peace. He'll, he'll guard your joy. He'll guard your heart. Come on, somebody. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what the issue is. I don't care the dilemma, the predicament, or what you are facing today. If you can think about God and you can put your mind on God, it's, there's something that happens inside of you. There's something that happens in your heart when you do that. Because you know what? When I start thinking about him, I start thinking about, man, he's really good. And I start thinking about, man, he's really big. He's a lot bigger than this problem that I'm going through. I start thinking about how he's able. I start thinking about all the things that he'd done in Scripture, how he rode back the Red Sea and how he delivered people and how he done miracles, signs and wonders, and how that the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons, that if he done it for them, he'll do it for me. When I start thinking about when I start thinking about the Lord and all that he has ever done in my life, it gives me courage today. It gives me, it gives me joy in the present. It causes me to have hope in the moment. Come on, somebody. I, I've, been, I've been trying to tell you what hope is. Hope is, a, is an expectation of a future future good and, and, that, and that you are expecting that you're going to obtain it. Amen. Hope says don't give up because there's something better down the road. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't flee. Don't, don't, don't quit. Why? Because God's got something better. He's a good God. Keep your mind on that. Amen. Some of you, you got to get your mind off what you're going through right now and put your mind on what God has ahead of you because what God has ahead of you is greater than anything that you could ever imagine. Come on. And, and I love Jeremiah said, but I had to sit down. I had to get my composure. I had to get, collect my mind, and I had to sit down, and I had to just recall. Recall. You know what the word recall means? It means to call again. There's, there's times that if you're not careful, you'll be so distracted that you will forget some things. You'll forget some things. You'll forget about the goodness of the Lord. You'll forget about the power of God. You'll forget about the ability of God and how that he's able to do the impossible. You forget. Why? Because you're so focused on everything else in your life. You cannot focus on God. And so you have to learn how to set your face like flint and focus on God. You see, when Peter stepped out of the boat, how many remembers that story? Peter steps out of a boat because Jesus said, come. When he stepped out, he stepped out on a word. Jesus said, come. Peter steps out of the boat. He's literally walking on water. Well, follow me. Let's understand what he's walking on. Because they are in a boat in the middle of the sea, and there is a great storm and the storm and the wind and the waves are beating against the ship and they're thinking they're going to die. Because that's, that's what we think. Lord, we're going to die here. 
And sometimes if you're not careful, all you will focus on is the storm and the waves that are hitting your life. And if you're not careful, you will miss the fact that Jesus is standing on the water. He's right in the middle of it. But if you're not careful, you'll miss him. Matter of fact, the Bible does say that. The Bible says that Jesus would have passed them by, but somebody cried out. Jesus would have, but somebody recognized Jesus in the storm. Somebody recognized that Jesus, really, you you have never been alone. You might have felt that way. And I know that sometimes we we, we think that, you know, we're by ourselves and that God is so dis. But I'm going to tell you something today. God has been there the whole time. He's just looking for somebody to to, to learn how to recognize him even in the worst of your moments. He's he's wanting somebody to learn how to recognize him when even when you're in the fiery furnace, the fourth man is in there. Come on, somebody. Even when you're in the storm, Jesus is in the storm. You just got to learn how to recognize that he's there. Get your eyes off of what's going on around you. He's there with you. He's right in the middle. You're not by yourself. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never come on he's there open your eyes the Bible says Peter gets out of the boat and for a moment man I guarantee you Peter's excited I am doing what Jesus is doing I'm literally walking on water meaning this that at one time what was over Peter's head it's at the moment under his feet At first, Peter had had control, and he was walking on top of what wanted to drown him, destroy him, capsize him. See, that's what what happens when you walk on the Word. Because when you obey the Word and Jesus is there with you, how many knows no matter what the storm is, you can just walk right over top of it? But watch, but the Bible says that Peter took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to focus on the wind and the waves, and watch what happens. The Bible says, and Peter began to sink. And now for a moment, the very thing Peter was walking on, he's now having to keep himself above because he's going to drown. But I love Peter, because even when he's drowning, Peter knew Jesus is in the storm, and it won't destroy me, and it's not going to take me out. All I have to do is call him. And the Bible says, and Jesus said, Lord, help me. Guess what? Jesus comes, picks him up, and brings him back safely to the boat. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody today, but you feel like your circumstances, your life, the pressure, the thing you're facing is literally drowning you. And I want to tell you today, all you have to do is say, Lord, help me. And he will run to your rescue and he will pick you up. Here's what I love about that story because we, we forget about the fact is that, bef- that when, before they set out to sea that day, the Bible says that Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. They actually thrust from the, from the land without Jesus in the boat because Jesus was up on the mountain. But I love what the Bible says that while Jesus was praying on the mountain, he saw them Struggling in the middle of the storm. Ooh. He saw them. He runs off the mountain. I don't know. He could have just floated off the mountain. But he runs off the mountain. He runs onto the waves. 
He runs into the middle of the storm. Why? Because there were some people that he loved that was in the middle of a hard thing. And I want to tell somebody, when you are in a hard thing and you need help, Jesus doesn't run from you. He runs to you. He's waiting for somebody today to say, Lord, help me. I am drowning. I need you to rescue me. I need you to get me out of this. He's just looking for somebody to quit trying to swim on their own. Quit trying to do it by yourself. Quit thinking that you got the power and the ability to do it. He's looking for somebody that will surrender and say, God, I ain't going to get myself out of this. I need you to help me. Come by my rescue, Lord. Somebody, what you need to do today is you need to cry out, help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. When Jeremiah says, recall, he's saying, call again. I'm calling again the memories. I'm calling again the covenant. I'm calling again the, 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 the provisions. I'm calling again the promises of God. I'm calling again everything that God has ever said to me. I'm calling again His word, His promises, His, 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 His purpose. I'm calling it again. Why does He have to call it again? Because He forgot. Because of where He was and what He was seeing going on. He forgot. And that's what you have to do. You have to recall You have to recall. You have to remember. You have to recall, remember. Now, I want to show you something because Jeremiah says it's when I do this that hope actually begins to rise up in my soul. Now, I want to read you some different translations um, as far as when Jeremiah says, this I recall to my mind. He says, therefore, I have hope. Uh, Here's here's some some of the way other uh, translations translate it. It says, but then I think about this and I have hope. But then I think about this. You got to think about it. Amen. He says, but then I think about this. I have hope. Yet hope returns when I remember. I like that. When I start to remember, hope starts to return. So hope starts to leave when you start to forget what the Lord has done and what he has called you and the purpose and the plan and the promises of God in your life. Hope begins to vanish when your memories or your mind starts to drift off of God. So it says, yet... Hope returns when I remember this one thing. Another translation says, the reason I can still find hope is that I keep this one thing in mind. He's he's saying, no matter what I go through, I can still find hope by the things I remember. Hope hasn't vanished. You just haven't recognized it in a while because you forgot. Another translation says it like this, and I love this. It says, but there's one other thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. When I feel like something is trying to tear the hope right out of my hand, I start to remember everything about God in my life. Everything God said, the promises of God, because the promises of God don't fail me. The word of God doesn't fail 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the words of the Lord shall last forever. He says, he says, every time I remember the things of God, every time I put my mind on God, my grip gets stronger and I don't, e I don't easily, easily let go of the hope that I have in God. So the question is, what is Jeremiah thinking about? What is he putting his mind on? What is he recalling at this moment that is causing hope to return in the midst of a situation that looks hopeless and that looks like it is, it is destined to be a failure and that it'll never change and it'll never turn out for good? Jeremiah, what do you give me your secret? How do you keep this joy? How do you keep this, this, this expectancy? How do you maintain this hope even when you're going through hell? How do you maintain hope in the midst of hell? That's a good question, right? How do we maintain hope in the midst? How do we maintain the joy? Because how many remembers I told you hope actually produces joy because you know something better is coming. That even though no matter what happens in your life, you know something better is coming. And you have confidence and you trust God that it is going to happen. So Jeremiah, tell us, how do you maintain the hope even in the midst of the worst times of our life? He says, well, he says, this is what I think about. And I want you to think about it. Okay, because that's the title of my message, Think About It. I want to challenge you to think about these things because I believe even in your most Dark, darkest times, even in your hardships and even in your trials and your tribulations, I believe that if you start to think about these things, I believe it will, it will cause you to, re, it'll cause hope to return back to your life. Because I, I, I am convinced that there are a lot of people, even in the church, that have lost hope. They've, they've lost the ability to have the joy of the Lord. Because they think it's never going to change. Because they've been in it so long that they think this is how it's always going to be. But I want to tell you, the devil is a liar. Because I believe if you think about these things that I'm going to share with you, I believe hope's going to return. Amen? So Jeremiah says, this is what I do. He says, the first thing I hope, or the th first thing that I recall and remember that gives me hope is the mercies of the Lord. Listen to what he says in verses 22 through 23. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies. Everybody say mercies. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah says, I start to remember and recall the mercies of God. I start to remember how that God's love and kindness never fails me. I start to think about how that if it had not been for the mercy of God, we would all be destroyed. I start to think about how that if it wasn't the mercy of God, drugs would have taken me out. I would have overdosed and died and went straight to hell. When I start to think about who I was and who I am now, I, I, I get hope. Because if he changed a drug addict, a drunkard, in a moment's time and delivered, took the taste of drugs and taste of alcohol right out of my mouth, then what can he do in this situation that I'm faced right now with? If he kept the devil from destroying me and killing me, if he, if he kept 
me alive all this time, I can have some hope. If you're breathing today, you got hope. I was reading, a, uh, uh, I think it's a proverb, and it, it goes like this. Uh, a, a living dog is better than a dead lion. What? <laughs> a living dog is better than a dead lion. Meaning this, that as long as you got breath in your body and you are alive, you got hope. I don't care who you are, whether you're a dog or you're a lion, whether you are a nobody or you are royalty, if you have breath in your body, there's still hope that God can turn it around. Come on, somebody. There's still hope. And and Jeremiah says, man, when I get down and I, I, I... I feel like nothing's going to ever change and I think I'm in despair and and I'm not going to come out of this pit. He says, I start to think about the mercies of the Lord. I want you to notice, it doesn't say mercy of the Lord. It says mercies. It's plural. It's manifold mercies. God's got as many mercies as you need. He never runs out of mercies. Oh, come on, preacher. Some of you, you should have shouted me down right there because you know if it wasn't for the mercy of God, you wouldn't be here today. Amen. Because you know you, you have failed. You have made some mistakes. You made some bad decisions. And, and you know that some of the mess that you are in is your fault. But you thank God for the mercies, the plural, that God didn't run out and he didn't run out of chances and he didn't stop loving you and he didn't stop giving you hope and giving you I thank God for the plural mercies of God, for the manifold mercies of God. God don't look at you and say, well, that was your last mercy right there. Yep, you've you've done it now. No, no, I'm tired of this. This is your last mercy. No, every time you run to God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God says, I give you mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is, is, is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting something that I don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. God could have, but he didn't. He had the right to, but he didn't. I've done it, but he loved me. I'm the one that made the mistake. I deserve the consequences, but he didn't. I love one scripture says that God didn't give us the full penalty of our iniquity. Meaning this, that through the compassion of God, God never gave us really what we deserved. Why? Because he loved us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was out cussing and partying, using God's name in vain, God says, I still love him. Even when we rejected him, threw our hand up at his face and said, I don't want nothing to do with you, God says, I still love you. That's why that song is so true. When, when, the, when we sing it, it's, I love it. It's, it's about the reckless love of God. 
His love is reckless. Why? Because he loves people that don't love him back. But I, I thank God one day I experienced the love of God. And, and, and the Bible, listen, I love what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you experience the love of God, it covers the multitude of sins. I thank God that I, I got a revelation that the Bible says, I didn't love him first, but he actually loved me first. I had to come around. Come on. So I, I love this. He says, so the, he says, mercies, it's plural, manifold mercies, that we are not consumed or destroyed. Why? Because his compassion fails not. His kindness, that word compassion means his kindness doesn't fail. God generally wants to be kind to us. Are you listening? He wants to be kind to you, not harsh to you. He wants to be kind to you. He doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to give compassion to you. He doesn't want you to be consumed by your problems or your situations. He wants to be kind to you. He wants to be compassionate to you. And I love what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said this. This is how awesome the mercies and compassions of God are. The Bible says this. And when you have felt like you have exhausted them one day, he says, don't, don't worry. He says, because they're new every morning. They're fresh every morning. You mess up today? Don't worry. Tomorrow you can start again. Isn't it amazing about God? God always has new beginnings. You say, preacher, I have messed up. I have made a mess. I am jacked up. I'm tore up from the floor up, messed up from the chest up. Come on. But Lord, you mean tomorrow I get a new beginning? Yeah. God says, God says I'll hit restart tomorrow. How many's ever needed a restart? <laughs> I know I have a bunch of times. Bunch of times. And he says, he says, and great is thy faithfulness. That you are faithful even when I'm not faithful. That even in the midst of my pain, you are faithful. Uh, the Psalms says in Psalms 92, I think it's verse 2, it says, He has loving kindness in the morning and faithfulness in the night. In the day, He demonstrates how much He loves you through His kindness to you. He wants you to see His kindness. He says, and he says, he says, and the loving kindness is seen in the day, but watch, but his faithfulness is for the night. How many knows the night you can't see things clearly? In the night, darkness is surrounding you, and you you feel like everything is against you, evil is lurking. But it's there that you need the faithful, faithfulness of God, not just the loving kindness of God. Because when you can't see things, you got to know God would never walk out on me. Yeah. <laughs> 
the Holy Ghost on that. When I am in the dark and I can't see and I can't understand why I am going through what I'm going through, thank God that His faithfulness never fails and His faithfulness is true. And if God said He would not leave me, He's right there with me and I don't have to worry or be anxious. God is there. Great, mighty, awesome is His faithfulness. Church, I'm going to tell you God's faithful. Even when people are not, God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his his promises. He is faithful to you as a child of God. He is faithful. Even when people walk out on you, God won't walk out on you. Even when people betray you, God will never betray you. Even when people may persecute you, lie on you, falsely accuse you, God will never leave you. He will never abandon you. Paul said one time, he said, when everybody else saw this line that I was up against, this opposition, this trouble that I was facing, he said, everybody abandoned me. Everybody walked away from me. But they, but Paul, I love what Paul said, but Paul said, I stood, I stood the line and won. Why? Because the Lord stood with me. Because when everybody else abandoned me and everybody else walked out on me, when everybody else left me, God stood with me and we got the victory and we overcame the line. I love that. And then Jeremiah says, Jeremiah says, not only do I recall the mercies of the Lord and how amazing and how manifold they are, but he says, but I also recall the portion of the Lord. He says in verse 24, he says, the Lord is my portion. Notice he's making it personal. He says, the Lord is my portion. I don't know what your portion is, but my portion is the Lord. He says, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Now, what, what is he saying? He's saying, the Lord is all that we will ever need in this life we can depend on him and put our hope in him and nothing else so jeremiah says i remember and i recall that the lord is my portion and i don't need anything else but him because if you got god you got everything that's why whenever moses said lord who shall i say sent me god says to moses he says tell them that i am that i am What what does that mean? That means god will become anything and everything you will ever need if you need a healer god says i am a healer if you, need a pro, if you need provision, God says, I am the provider. I shall supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. I think I want somebody like that to be my portion. Come on. He'll make a way where there is no way. He'll deliver. He'll rescue. He'll save. He'll, he'll, he'll set free. Come on. He'll break you through whenever you feel like you can't break through to the next level. God will be anything and everything that you will ever need. You... You need help as a parent, God will be that too. Teenagers, if you need help in school, he'll he'll be that too. Come on. He'll be your doctor. He'll be your lawyer. He is, I am that I am, and there's none like him. And nobody can do what he can do. That's why he's all that we need. That's why we got to quit relying and depending on other things besides God. Got quiet. That's all right. It gets quiet in surgery. 
What are we putting our trust and our dependence on that is failing us over and over, but yet we still do it? I don't understand it. Why do you keep putting your trust and faith in the same people over and over, and yet they fail you over and over again? You need to quit depending on people. I'm not saying people that you shouldn't have friends or relationships, but listen, but when it all is settled and done, you have put your faith, your trust, your confidence and hope in God and in God alone. That means you're not gonna you're not gonna lose your mind or have a nervous breakdown if somebody lets you down or 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 doesn't do what you expected that they would do in your life. Why? Because you weren't expecting them to do it anyway. You were you was expecting God. Your hope was in God. You're anticipating God to step in and change it, not nobody. So sometimes we get ahead of God because we get scared. Like God can't handle this in my life. Well, I bet I better hurry up and get this relationship because I feel like I'm always going to be alone. So God, so we so we settle for somebody that really God never wanted us to have, but yet because we got scared and we tried to depend on somebody else to make us feel satisfied, we rush ahead of God and we miss the best that God has for our life. That's why he says it's good that a man be have hope and wait patiently and quietly for the Lord. Why? Because God's got better for you. Quit settling for less than his best. Preach, pastor. God's got a better thing for you. Somebody, God's got a better job. Don't settle for that one that's coming your way. You need to be patient. You need to wait for God. Come on. And God, when he comes through, he will not disappoint you. You'll look at it and say, my God, look at what the Lord has done. Nobody could do this. A man couldn't do it. A person couldn't do it. He says, my portion. He says, I will depend on. Only on God. Quit depending on people. Quit depending on all these other things and not God. God is everything you will ever need when you need it. Trust in him. Put your confidence and hope in him. And then, and then lastly, Jeremiah says, and when it really getting really despair and dark and hard and difficult. He says, this is the one thing I think about. He says, I think about the goodness of the Lord, how good he is. I think about his goodness. Listen to what he says. I love this. He says in verses 25 through 26, he says, the Lord is good. I don't care what the world says about our God. I come to tell you he's good. Come on, I said he's good. The Lord is good unto them that, pull it up there, Jonathan, verses, verses 25 and 26. The Lord is good unto them that, here again, I'm going to come back to what I just said. Why do we settle for, le- for less than God's best? Because if you would have waited, God would have brought some awesome into your life. But you said on that's why you have some problems that you do. Just saying, I, 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 every problem I've had is because I got ahead of God. I want it now. Bless God, I want it now. I don't want to have to wait for this. I want it now because that's how we are. We are an impatient people. We are an impatient generation. We are an impatient culture. We live in an instant culture where if I want it now, it comes now. That's why people make money. Do you know how they make money? They, they figure out a way to make things more convenient and more, and more speedy. 
And some of us, we've been so spoiled by the culture because we live in an instant culture. So whenever God says, wait, because there's three ways God could answer you. He could say yes. He could say no. And there are times, and many times he says, wait. Wait, it's not the right time, and you're not ready. But wait. Because sometimes God's got to develop us in the waiting, not just develop what he wants to do in your life. And then what happens is while you're waiting, you have now been prepared, and then the blessing and the person collide. That's why Jesus said, listen, don't worry about all this other stuff. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to He says, while you're going after God, he says, you will collide into your promises. You will collide into your blessings. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if you will hearken and obey the Lord and keep your heart and mind on God, he says, these blessings will run you down and overtake you. They will follow after you while you're running after God. That's why we got to quit running after the boys and the girls. We need to run after God. Yeah, quit going on Facebook. Get on, get in the book. Praise God. Don't get on Facebook. Get on faith in the faith book. <laughs> I'm not saying Facebook is bad, but you know what? The time we spend on Facebook, if we, we, we would have got a word already from God if we would have been in the book. Because if you can't hear God, read God. He's, he's already spoken if you'll just read it. Amen? <laughs> but we wait for him. Why, why do we wait for him? Why do we wait? Because God is not always instant. I say this all the time. God, God is more, God's not a microwave. He's more like a crock pot. Like there's some Sundays that we're, we're going to eat something and Mary will put some stuff in a crock pot and it takes some time. But when it comes ready, it's good. I, listen, matter of fact, Mary will, 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 will vouch for me. I don't like leftovers. Do you know why I don't like leftovers? Because I don't like to heat it up in the microwave. Am I the only one? Everything tastes better when it has a little time to cook. The only thing that tastes good, actually, you don't have to eat it in the microwave. It's actually spaghetti. I think spaghetti's better a day later. So I just offended somebody right there. So bless God. <laughs> but God sometimes is a crockpot. But it's not a bad thing. Why? Because God says, if you'll just wait, he says, when I get done with what I'm trying to prepare for your life, it will blow your mind. It will be a good thing. It'll be an awesome thing. It'll not just change your life. It'll change everybody's life around you when I get ready to do this. Oh, you want to instantly? Here's, 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 here's an, an analogy. The Bible says there was, a, there, there was a father who had a son, and the son wanted his inheritance now. It's the prodigal son, Luke 15. He comes with the father, and he keeps on with the father. I want it now. I want it now. Now, now. Dad, I want it now. I want it now. I want mine now. I want it now. That's how I feel like some people are in the church today. God, I want it now. They go into prayer. God, I want it now. I can't wait no more, Lord. I'm going to lose my mind. I need it now. So God says, I'm going to teach him a lesson. Here you go. You want that thing? That's not what I wanted for you. That was not my plan. But here, I'll give you what you asked for. Because I'm going to show you your way doesn't work. And the Bible says that the father gave the son what he wanted at that moment. 
Now, and he went out and he wasted it all. Ended up in a pig's pen. Why? Because he wanted some instant when the father had something better if he would have just waited. There's times that we want it now, God gives it to us, and we waste it. <laughs> the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. That wait for him. Now watch what it says. To the soul that seeketh him. He tells us what we are to be doing while we're waiting. We are to be seeking him while we're waiting. When you wait, it doesn't mean you sit down and do nothing until God does it. What you should be doing is seeking the face of God and going after him and running after him and pursuing him even when you are waiting for something to happen in your life. I don't, I don't stop praising God when I'm waiting on something. I don't quit ministry because I'm waiting on something. Because while I'm waiting for God to do what I'm believing or what I'm praying for, I will continue to praise and I will continue to worship. I'll continue to show up. I'll continue to minister, but I'm waiting. Waiting does not mean you sit down and do nothing until God does it. No, honey, let me tell you what. The Lord is good unto them that wait and seek him in the waiting. Preach, pastor. Because when, when we're waiting, we're like, God, I'm not going I'm, I'm to do it. I'm not going to do nothing until God does it. God's saying, you better do something or I won't do it. That's what his word says. Huh? I'm just preaching his word. Don't, don't, don't stone the messenger. Verse 26, and I love this. It says, it is good that a man should both hope. This got me right here. Because I'm talking about waiting. Because God wants to be good to those that wait. He says, it is a good thing that a man both hope, watch, this, this, this one, one word got me. What, what is it? Hope and? Quietly wait. That means we shouldn't be running our mouth all the time. Or complaining about our situation. We need to keep our composure and say, it's okay, God's going to come through. I'm just waiting on him. Because <laughs> sometimes we talk ourselves out of God's blessing. Because, listen, life and death are in the power of your tongue. Come on, somebody. And so he says, quietly, shut your mouth just for a moment and let God do what he wants to do. Quit, talk, quit limiting God by your tongue. Quit going to everybody complaining about what you don't have. We, I don't have it. It's never going to happen. And you're always negative. And God says, I can't do it. Why? Because you have taken the power from me. You have limited me through your own mouth. So he says, whatever you do, he says, while you're waiting, he says, he says this. He says, be quiet. Still pray, still seek, still worship, still be committed, still persevere. He says, still do what God's called you to do. But quit being negative. Be quiet. God had to tell the children of Israel one time. He said, listen. He, said, he, he told Moses, he said, Moses, go tell them. I hear they're murmuring. And I hear they're complaining. He says, go tell them. 
He says, I want them to stand still and to shut up. That's what God said. He said, shut up. Sometimes we just need to shut up. Take it to God in prayer. Complaining ain't never going to make it happen. But put your hope and faith in God. Hope is always positive. Hope says it doesn't matter. God's going to do it. And I'm going to be happy until even if it, I'm going to I'm going to be happy even if he doesn't do it. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the kind of attitude we really need to have is, God, if you don't do I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to pray. If you don't bless me another day, if you don't heal me, if you don't deliver me, if you don't set me free, Lord, if you don't give me another blessing, if you don't favor it don't matter. I'm going to still show up at church, and I'm still going to worship, and I'm still going to thank you, and I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to pray, and I'm still going to read my Bible, and I'm still going to be faithful to you, and I'm still going to be a child of God. I don't care. I just love God. He says, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good to those who wait for him and to anyone who seeks help from him. It's a good thing to quietly, the Bible says, hope, and to quietly hope for the help that comes from God and God alone. Stand to your feet. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue being a part of all that God is doing here at Destiny Church. You can text to give at 828 662 3453. Or you can give online at destinyauto.com. That's destinyotto.com. We would love for you to also subscribe to your Destiny podcast and for you to also share this podcast with family and friends. And again, thank you for joining us.